Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? In the season's worst conditions, winter tires are a game changer. They elevate traction, control, and confidence. They sell only the best, like the full line of hand-cooked tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to your one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. What a beatdown last night. Thursday night football, I said there were two questions that I had coming into this game. One, was there actually any depth in the AFC? Because I think everybody out there would acknowledge that the Steelers and the Patriots are good. I don't think there's a lot of question about whether Ben Roethlisberger, with his multiple Super Bowl wins, his two Super Bowls, is ready for the big stage. I don't think there's any question, certainly, about whether Tom Brady, with his five Super Bowls, is ready for the big stage. Kansas City, uh, I feel like Kansas City's going to lose in the divisional round. They're not quite good enough to take the next step. They're not good enough. I know they beat the, the uh, Patriots earlier in the season, but I don't think they can get past the Steelers for whatever reason. That's a bad matchup, just like it was in the playoffs this past year. But I wondered, is there anybody beneath those three teams? And I'm giving, I think I'm being lenient counting Kansas City and the Chiefs as one of those three teams that potentially could contend in the AFC for a Super Bowl run. And in particular, we're focused on the Titans. And I think the answer after last night is the Titans are nowhere near good enough to do anything other than potentially advance the playoffs. I feel like they're going to make the playoffs. If you look at the rest of the AFC, if you look at their schedule, the next four games they play are against teams with losing records. They have a very good chance to go 3-1 and one in those. They can get to 10 wins. They may or may not win the division. I still think they're likely to win the AFC South uh, against the – Jacksonville Jaguars because that season that ends in Nashville and the head-to-head the Titans have already beaten the Jags by 21 points so I think it's still likely that the Titans win the AFC South but I think the ceiling for the Titans and the Jags and whoever the sixth team is to make the playoffs in the AFC is winning a game in the wild card round and then losing in the divisional round because there was nothing whatsoever that I saw last night that made me think anything other than there is a huge gap 
between the Steelers and the Patriots and, frankly, everyone else in the AFC. I mean, we're talking about a conference right now where 10 of the 16 teams have losing records. And one of the six teams with a winning record is the Buffalo Bills, who just benched their starting quarterback in favor of a rookie. There's not a lot of optimism in Buffalo either, I think it's fair to say. So, Marcus Mariota had an opportunity to establish that the run that he got on last year when he was the best passer for about seven or eight weeks in the NFL was not a fluke, and he looked awful. And there's no other way to put it. The Titans look like a team that is not very good when they need to step it up against a primetime opponent. We'll see what happens in the uh, weeks and months ahead to uh, the Tennessee Titans season with six games left now, sitting at 6-4. and four. But I think it's fair to say that Mariota was not ready for the big stage and that his receivers did not give him a lot of help, particularly Corey Davis, who's a rookie who's only played in three games and had a ball ricochet off his hands for an interception and then didn't come back on a curl route to allow another interception. Mariota was not good. I think the play calling continues to be suspect. The Titans have not been as good at running the football with DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry as everybody would have anticipated. And on the other side of the ball, look, I mean, I thought that the secondary for the Pittsburgh Steelers stepped up. Cody Sensenbaugh, who was not expected to play until the Joe Hayden injuries, uh, got in and absolutely dominated. There were uh, relatively few opportunities out there for the Titans on the offensive side of the ball, given the way they didn't really push the ball down the field except for the start of the second half when they made a big play, looked like they were going to make a game of it. Got the drop touchdown pass from Delaney Walker uh, that would have made it 23-21 with about three minutes to go in the uh, in the third quarter, I believe. But the Titans fell apart there in the fourth quarter. So I thought the takeaway to me from last night's first game of Week 11 action in the NFL is that I would be very surprised if Pittsburgh, especially if you look at Pittsburgh's remaining schedule, I'd be very surprised if Pittsburgh is not the one seed in the AFC, and if you're going through Pittsburgh, and look, I know the Steelers lost at home to the Jags when Ben Roethlisberger threw five interceptions, and I know they lost at home to the Bears when they had that weird kind of decision to make about whether or not to come out for the national anthem, and it seemed like they were sleepwalking throughout the rest of that game. But look, here is the remainder of the Steelers' schedule. If you're looking ahead for the final six weeks, the Packers are coming uh, on uh, the next uh, Thanksgiving weekend. So now you get 10 days to get ready. The Packers are not coming into Pittsburgh and winning that game. Steelers go on the road against the Bengals. Uh, I don't have any faith at all in the Bengals. I think the Steelers win that one. Ravens come to Pittsburgh. I think the Steelers get it. Patriots-Steelers on December 17th in in Pittsburgh is probably going to be a preview of your AFC title game. And potentially, if the Patriots can run the table, maybe the Patriots get to 14-2. and two. Maybe the Steelers uh, can get it as well. Uh, and then we've got, the, uh, the obviously, the Steelers going to the Texans and then the Browns coming to town to finish the season. I don't see the Steelers doing any worse than 13-3, and three, and I think there's a decent chance they run the table to go 14-2. and two. At this point in time, like I said, I would be pretty stunned if it is not Steelers-Patriots in the AFC title game. And I think if you've been watching the AFC so far this year, if you've been watching the NFL in general, look, the Patriots have a little bit more of a challenging finish to their season than certainly the uh, the Steelers do. 
And again, I don't think the Patriots are going to be capable of running the table. Maybe they will. Maybe they will, and we'll have two fourteen and or a thirteen and three against a fourteen and two team, other than whoever wins that December seventeenth game. But uh, I, I think that is the massive takeaway. Uh, after the game, we had a couple of reactions. I think Marcus Mariota was asked about his performance, and this is what he said: "If you uh, throw four interceptions, it's tough to win. Not a credit to Pittsburgh; they uh, made a bunch of plays and you know got the best of us tonight. I mean, those are on me. When it comes down to it, I'm I'm the one that makes the decision to throw it. Just bad decisions." When you play teams that are of this caliber, that are contenders, that win week in and week out, you know that's that's the blueprint. Uh, we're going to learn from it. We're going to get better from it, and hopefully, we'll see them again. And if they do see them again, the Steelers will win. But again, for the Titans now, the schedule is not very difficult for the next four weeks. They could win all four of those and put themselves into a position to still advance the playoffs. I still think they will. I mean, the playoff picture, there's a pretty big gap um, now between the the Titans and, frankly, the rest of the NFL, unless you happen to think that Peterman's going to come in for the Buffalo Bills and be incredible. The Titans are 6-4. and Uh, There are, like I said, 10 teams with losing records right now in the AFC. So I think the Titans as the four or the five is probably likely. And if you win the division, you get to host the game against Jacksonville. If you lose the division, you go on the road against Jacksonville. I'm not sure that's a big deal. Again, the big deal is you're going to have to go on the road against Pittsburgh or New England, and I just don't think anybody in the AFC is going to be capable of taking that next step. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. This is a confident radio show, and what I'm confident in is that Peter Schrager is going to come on and probably agree with me about the status of the AFC. He is going to be on the road with Chicago and the Detroit Lions uh, this weekend. But for now, he's in New York where he does an awesome morning show uh, on the NFL Network. Uh, Peter Schrager, what's up, my man? How are you? What is up, Clay? We've got two of the most successful sports shows in the world. Mine on the television (laughs) side, you just killing it on Fox Sports Radio. I'm so happy for you, man. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. You guys are doing great work, and I encourage people to check out Good Morning Football on uh, NFL Network. I love what you guys do. I watch it a lot of times, uh, DVR it, check in uh, when this show is over, and obviously I get a little bit of an earlier start than you do. But um, I, I'm, I'm curious here, like now that you're in year two of the show, have you gotten used to the early morning wake-ups yet? Because obviously you and I did not have like the get-up pre-dawn routines down, uh, Pat, before the show started. I'm curious, are you now an early morning guy, or does it still seem crazy to you every morning when your alarm goes off? Crazy. Every single morning, it's the worst thing in the world. And <laughs> mine comes, I don't know when yours is. I think you have a 30-minute commute. Mine's the same kind of deal. It's 3.45 in the morning, the alarm goes off, and everyone listening to the show right now probably has a similar deal. I will say this. Everyone else is like, yeah, and then I go on the weekends, and I wake up at 4 a.m. I sleep, if I can, if the kids are quiet and I'm on the road or in a hotel or something, I will sleep till 11 a.m. on the weekends. I just get it all back. What I love about, and I haven't traveled as much as I used to, but what I would love about being in a hotel, like, and I think there's a lot of dads and moms out there listening to us early in the morning <laughs> who know exactly what I mean, is if you are in a hotel and you have those blackout curtains and you can yes. just pull them and you can turn your phone off and you just get into bed, like, I don't know that there's a better feeling than guy or girl who doesn't get sleep and then is in a hotel and doesn't have any reason why you have to get up. There's not going to be any little kids screaming. There's not going to be any obligations and responsibilities. I, Being in a hotel, I, like, I, 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 I've said this before, Pete uh, Schrager, I would travel all the way across. When I was in L.A., the best, I would, like, I'd fly all the way to L.A. just to have blackout curtains and be in a hotel and not have to get up. 
I could tell you this. So when we're on, I'm doing the game tonight, I'll be doing Chicago Lions um, on Sunday, but I'm getting into Chicago tonight. And, you know, Chicago's a really cool town. And Erlacher, uh, to name drop, is a friend of mine because we used to work at Fox. And anytime I'm in Chicago, I try to head up. And it's one of those deals where now I've got lots of friends who have lots of, you know, fun things to do in these cities. Clay, I will order room service at 6 p.m. and watch Big Bang Theory for two episodes and be in bed <laughs> by 9 p.m. And I literally feel like it's, um, I'm a kid on a bachelor party. I'm having such a good time. Uh, we're talking to Peter Schrager. Good morning, football. You can follow him on Twitter at P. Schrager. All right, so uh, I am of the belief that there is a big gap. Now, after watching, I, I my question going into last night's game was, I still think the Titans and the Jags both are probably in decent shape to make the playoffs. Uh, and who knows who the sixth team will be who emerges, who has a losing record right now to make the playoffs in the AFC. But I don't think any of those teams have a real chance to challenge the Steelers and the Patriots. And that's what I wanted to watch last night was, are the Titans ready to take that next step to, not only we have a playoff caliber team, and let's see whether or not they're able to even do that, but if they do, can they beat one of these good teams? And I think the answer is no. I think it's going to be Patriots and Steelers in the AFC Championship game. And I think there's a pretty big gap between them and the rest of the AFC. Is that too much of an overreaction, or do you agree with me now that we're moving into NFL Week 11? No, it feels it feels like you've got the the mid uh, power five and mid majors, and those are the two in the power five and the Chiefs too, because the Chiefs can hang up with the, can hang with those guys, though they have struggles with the Steelers. I will say this: last night was one of those games that I always called me a show me game. So primetime television. I couldn't, if Marcus Mariota and 50 other strangers on the street were talking to me, I wouldn't know who Marcus Mariota is because he's never on television. He doesn't talk, and there's nothing really, uh, you know, superstar quality other than his football play. So here it is. Thursday night, what are you going to do? Everyone watching, four interceptions, looked shaky and on the road, didn't really handle the spotlight well. And it's one of those deals where it's like, get back in the shallow end. There's a kid's table at Thanksgiving. It's coming up, right? And there's a kid's table and there's an adult's table. And the Titans, they right now are at the kid's table. What do you think in general about the Steelers? Because, look, I mean, they very easily could be undefeated this year, right? I mean, they, they could be a 10-0 and team because they gave up a game against the Bears that I think was related to just not being ready to protest. They don't come out for the national anthem. They sleepwalked through that game. And then they obviously, Ben Roethlisberger Jaguars. comes out and throws five interceptions against the Jags, and I don't think that would happen very often. How good are the Steelers? Great. When they play like they did last night, they can beat the Patriots. That's the thing. They just haven't in years past. They go to these playoff games against the Patriots, and they forget to show up, or they get injured, and something happens. They're not their full strength. But this team, when they're playing at their best, is as good as any team in football, and they have a $92 million offense, which is just insane. Roethlisberger is one of the highest-paid quarterbacks. Brown is one of the highest-paid receivers. Bell is the highest-paid running back. The offensive line is all getting paid a ton. So, when it clicks, it's unbelievable. And he was in the no huddle last night with 30 for 45, and it's, this is what we expect. But then there's those some games, those with these Mike Tomlin teams, where there be the Bears where they forget to show up. Or sometimes last year, I believe, they had a, they had a really bad loss last year, and it was just one of those head scratchers where you're saying, all right, just when we want to buy in and say that this is one of the class teams, you lose when you need them most. So they'll be in the final four. I believe that. I just don't know if Tomlin's ever going to be Belichick in a big spot. Right now, there are two teams with eight wins in the NFL, both in the state of Pennsylvania. Which one is better? Which one do you have more faith in, the Steelers or the Eagles? Ben Roethlisberger. I love the Eagles, but Ben Roethlisberger's won two titles and has played in a ton of these big games. And 
if they were both playing in the Super Bowl right now in Minnesota, I feel like the Pittsburgh Steelers just have the veteran under center. And Carson Wentz, you know, it's funny, Clay, there's only two players in NFL history to win MVP in their second season, and it's Kurt Warner, which is kind of a weird deal, 28 years old at the time, and then Dan Marino, who had that amazing 1984 season. I, though, believe Carson Wentz could be having the best second season of any quarterback at the time. I just don't know if he's got it to finish the job. I mean, it's against a Brady or a Ben Roethlisberger, or even an Alex Smith in a big spot. I'm not sure Carson Wentz is going to be the guy, just because he hasn't had the experience of those big games yet. When I look at the NFL right now, we just talked about the AFC. I think there's a big drop-off after the couple of top teams. In the NFC, it seems wide open to me. You just talked about the Eagles, the Vikings, are they for real? New Orleans, who I think may be the best team in the NFC right now with seven straight wins. The Rams having an incredible year. Carolina and Cam Newton has not had their bye week yet. They got the seven and three. Uh, obviously Seattle, we know what Russell Wilson can do. Atlanta is right there on the periphery. You've got Detroit, whether they can make a run and get back in the mix in the NFC. Who do you like in the NFC right now? It's funny. The two teams that I would have said in August are the Cowboys and Packers, and they're both five and four kind of lingering also. So you just did 10 different teams that are above 500 and only six make it. It's kind of cool. But the team that I believe is going to be standing there at the end and I've since the start of the season is the Carolina Panthers. I just think their defense is so nasty. We saw it on Monday night, what they can be. And Cam Newton was not healthy the first six weeks of the season. No one wants to, well, no one wants to acknowledge the fact that he had a serious shoulder surgery and he played the first six weeks as if it was training camp in preseason. The last two weeks are the Cam Newton that I've expected to be this season. And Keekley's back. He's healthy. And all these young players, whether it be McCaffrey on offense or whether it be James Bradbury on defense, the Carolina Panthers have been there two years ago. I, I know it's not a sexy pick. And I know it's not the popular pick. I just feel like the Carolina Panthers are the team because of the defense, the offense, and the head coach. They've got the three facets that I need, and I, and I like those guys. We're talking to Peter Schrager, NFL Network. How big of a story do you think Jerry Jones versus the NFL and Roger Goodell actually is? Is it something that is going to linger for the rest of the season? Is it something these guys are going to get resolved? How massive or how big or is it overrated? Like, What do you see about this conflict? You know, I, I honestly, Clay, I've got to be completely transparent. I am only following what you're following in the New York Times with this stuff. Jerry Jones is not a guy I deal with on a day-to-day basis, and the NFL League office is kind of distant when it comes to owner relations, so a lot of it is unique. I feel like there are some reporters who might have, you know, ties to, to specific owners, but I'm kind of on the sidelines on this you know, as it plays out. The headlines, what they're saying, and then, you know, this is obviously going to be something that plays out over not only – Roger Goodell's contract extension, but I think into the labor piece and the labor deal, which is 2020. I, I mean, this is going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. Because Jerry Jones, a lot of people say, primarily responsible for getting the Rams to L.A. A lot of people say, primarily responsible for getting the Raiders to Vegas. Like, he has been, you know, the, the draft is in Dallas this year. That's not because of just random luck. There's like, one of the big power brokers of that ownership group, if not the lead power broker. So if there is a conflict with the commissioner, Certainly, certainly it's going to come to a head at some point. All right, you said you like the Panthers, and they're a team that's a little bit under the radar, I feel like. Is there any other team out there right now that you feel like, man, they could get hot, and in the last six weeks of the season, they could make a statement? Hmm. You know what? The Falcons are really interesting to me because they've been there, and they did this last year. If you look at their – if they win this week, they're like six and four. Do you know what they were ten games through the season last year? Six and four. Uh, it's possible. Like and We've seen it, and unlike a lot of these other teams where you lose – a lot of key players or there's injuries. 
Devontae Freeman got a concussion. You're hoping he comes back. But for the most part, all the players that were on that team from last year are back. It's just Sarkeesian, the offensive coordinator, and Lane Kiffin. Uh, not Lane Kiffin, I'm sorry. Kyle Shanahan. I, you, I'm talking to you. I just think Lane Kiffin all the time. Um, yeah. But and Kyle Shanahan out there in San Francisco. But to me, it's like, you know, you've got the bodies. You've got all the right pieces. You've got to get the spirit and the mind going. So I think the Falcons are a team that I would not be shocked if they just started rattling off wins and caught fire. Last question for you. You've got to go do your show. We're talking to Peter Schrager. He's on Good Morning Football. Where does Sean McVay's turnaround of the L.A. Rams rank in terms of one to one season to another, new head coach moves in your recent like memory? Because I can't think of a guy who's made a bigger difference for a team than what Sean McVay has done for Jared Goff and for the, for the L.A. Rams. McVay's my guy. I've known McVay since he was a Titan, which was Tampa Bay Buccaneers 10 years ago. We were drinking in Mobile, Alabama, <laughs> uh, so you're you're talking about a guy who uh, I'm I'm in the bag for, and it's unbelievable. And I I I think Clay, if you take a look at their next four games, I think it's like Vikings, Seahawks. Uh, it's a crazy grind. So I don't want to crown them yet, but as of now, through ten weeks, it's it's one of the more amazing miracle runs I've seen. I, I would say the last time we've seen something like this was when Dick Vermeil in his second year with the Rams, you know, the greatest show on turf, Kurt Warner, the whole deal. Like, it's just, it's one of those years where it's just out of nowhere, like, what the hell just happened. That doesn't happen often in the NFL. Yeah, your ne- three of their next four are the Vikings, the Saints, then the Eagles. They also toss in the Cardinals on the road there. And then they finish that, by the way, five, the fifth week is on the road against the Seahawks, and the sixth week is on the road against the Titans. So, I mean, they've so got one of those deals, right? Like, let's check yeah. in. That's what I'm saying, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. All right, my man, have a good show. Appreciate you waking up early and talking with us here, and uh, good luck this weekend in Chicago with the Lions game. You are the best, quite literally my favorite Twitter follow and one of the best. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Go follow him on Twitter at Shrags. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. We obviously talked a lot already about the Thursday night football game between the Titans and the Steelers, but the game that I woke up with a sixth feeling in my stomach about this morning, I had Maction, big money last night for me, uh, on Buffalo against Ball State. There might have been 50 people in the crowd. And I just think that if a coach takes a knee, for those of you who don't know, Buffalo opened 17.5-point favorites. Most Nobody knows. For Nobody out there was paying attention to this game except for gamblers. And Buffalo took a knee at the two to three straight knees. They had a first and goal at the two with two minutes left, and they took three straight knees. Ball State didn't take any timeouts, and they didn't punch in the, 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 the game-winning touchdown there to cover. And by game winning, I mean the only reason people would be caring. They were up 16, and they had an easy cover there at the two-yard line with two minutes left, first and goal. Ball State doesn't call any of their timeouts, and Buffalo takes three straight knees. I mean, just a brutal, brutal beating. And also, Buffalo managed to miss like a 25-yard field goal and also missed an extra point. So any of that would have also gotten the cover. I'm just still sick to my stomach over that game. So that's a guy's nice pivot to college football. Sport just makes you sick. I mean, I was so I, w- I was livid. I was ready to just throw my remote through the Did you television watch that live? screen. Oh yeah, I was flipping so over. What, what happened? The- Give me your reaction. Like, take me through the machinations of you watching that happen and seeing money drain out of your bank account. Well, first of all, I had both of my kids with me uh, in my bed, uh, the, the watching the Titans game. Right, it's a late night for them. 
So they are getting to watch the game with dad. We actually are flipping around a little bit because the end of the game, I was actually my one of my my seven year old wanted to watch the end of the Warriors and the uh, the end of the Warriors game Celtics. against the Celtics, which was actually pretty intriguing close. So I saw some of that, but I'm flipping around with them, and they're like, "Dad, why why are we watching this game?" That's the first question that the kids ask. Dad, you know, like, and you can tell because, you know, we flip around the Warriors and the Celtics, like there's this raucous crowd, like you can hear in the background, the energy you can feel from the crowd, right? Sometimes when you know you're watching a big game, you can feel the energy from the crowd. Pittsburgh, crowd's all loud. It's all gung-ho. They got that crazy camera angle. You know, kids can tell the fever pitch of the game well and so we're flipping around and then I go to the Maction game and they're playing at Ball State and I'm not kidding you there might have been a hundred people there in the crowd I mean there are just huge areas where nobody's watching and my kids are like dad why are you why are we watching this game I said dad's got some money on this game I said which side do you have I said I got Buffalo and so Buffalo like is in great shape uh to cover right they're driving and they drive for like six minutes it's like a six-minute damn drive to try to like bleed the clock, and they only are running the ball. They've got this wide receiver that nobody can cover. They've had four. The guy catches seven balls for four touchdowns. This is, by the way, the biggest breakdown that's probably going to happen to the Maction game anywhere in the country today. You guys are lucky getting to hear this. And so they're driving, but they're only running the ball. So they get a first and goal. They run the ball three straight times. Don't even try to score a touchdown. Kick the field goal. Come back the other way. Buffalo's had a couple of fluke plays where they've gotten the ball. They can't throw the ball at all. So they get it. Buffalo goes for it with like, I mean, sorry, Ball State goes for it with like three minutes left uh, on fourth and 10. They get sacked. And so Buffalo with like three and a half minutes left. That's a lot of time. Three and a half minutes left. They take possession at their own 12. Their own, I mean, sorry, the, the Ball State 12-yard line. They just need 12 yards for a touchdown to end this game to cover everything else. Second down, they get a first down at the two. Still like two minutes left. Ball State still has two timeouts left. Guy actually gets injured on that play. And I don't know, but the rules require, the rules require that when you have a player injured inside of two minutes, you make the other team take a timeout, even if they don't want one, right? To avoid guys faking injuries. Somehow the Maction referees don't insist on the timeout being taken. So Ball State, and then... And then the Ball State guys don't even use their timeouts. They don't even try and win. And then the from the two-yard line, Ball State takes three straight knees. And I was, I, I mean, I, I literally was close to just throwing my remote through the television screen. I'm probably the only person in America who was watching this game. Tweet so, me if you were also watching this game. But to me, that's criminal misconduct. Like, you should have to go, the Buffalo coach should have to sit down in front of, like, a gambling board and explain himself. This is what coaches should know. Like, if I'm a Buffalo fan, my team is 4-6, and six, now they're 5-6. and six. What I cover about, care about is not them winning. I care about them covering. And they decided, to me, that coach just made the conscious decision, I don't care about covering. Again, it's not like it was 50-3. to three. They were up 16 points, so arguably, why not go ahead and run it in and get outside of two scores and get the touchdown there? So tell me this. There's a lot of embellishment when it comes to attendance. I looked up the game information based on what you were saying. The recorded attendance last night for this game was 5,248. <laughs> well, Do first you think of all, what, that that place, what does that place seat? 
Yeah, it's Schumann Stadium. I'll look it up now. Look I up thought what I found State, it. But... See, 5,000 is like, that's a ridiculous number. Like, that is an insanely low. That First of all, okay. that's way higher than it. Well, what is the stadium seat? 22,500. 22,000 people could have gone to that game, and 5,000 showed up. I bet, I bet actually in the turnstiles, I bet there was 1,000 people there, if that. <laughs> There might have been a thousand people there. I mean, if you look at some of the screenshots, like I, when I again, my kids were like, "Dad, why are we watching this game?" And then they're like, "Oh, you bet on it, didn't you?" And I'm like, "Yeah, Dad bet on it." And so I had Buffalo, and I had Buffalo big, and they took a knee at the two yard line, and I'm still not over. It. I mean, and and I watched obviously a lot of games last night, but that was the one. Like I woke up and I still had like a sick feeling in my stomach over the way that game ends. And I like to gamble. I'm going to give you my gambling picks later. But that's the kind of loss that'll stick with me for a couple of days, especially because it was a Thursday night game and I don't have any action on Friday. So I got to wait till Saturday to get the bad taste out of my mouth. But it's one thing when you lose a bet. Like I knew I, I'm a season ticket holder for the Titans. I expected the Titans to lose to the Steelers. Steelers are better. I didn't expect the Titans to play as bad as they did, but I, I would have been shocked if the Titans had gone on the road and won that game. But I really was on the right side of this bet against Ball State. And the Buffalo coach, whatever his name is, deciding to take a knee at the two, indefensible. I mean, just absolutely indefensible. He's got to care about his his gamblers out there. So tell me, if you're in the press conference, are you asking that question? Well, if first of all, reporter? if I am covering Ball State Buffalo yeah, you screwed up for a in living, life. yeah, I'm just questioning every decision I've ever made in life. Like if I am in the press conference of Ball State Buffalo on a Thursday night in, where is it, Muncie, Indiana? And yes. I'm covering this game and I'm writing about it. I'm just saying, like, what career path did I end up on that I have to be at the Buffalo Ball State game asking questions after the game at all? Like, if you're anything other than a student reporter, your life has just gone in bad directions. Is, is That's the easy answer. Like, if you're covering Buffalo Ball State on a Thursday in Maction with maybe a thousand people there. So, no, I, I would, if, if you are in any way, like, I, I, I would not be there. If you showed up and asked questions after that game, you just need to look yourself in the mirror and just ask yourself, what in the world are you doing with your life? If you're so anything other than a student, student journalist. All right, I so do think people should start Muncie. asking. I do think people should start asking. I mean, I think, look, coaches all know what the line is. And so to me, it's like sticking a middle finger up to your fan base when you have an opportunity to cover and you don't decide to do it. Again, if it were 52-3 to three and you decide to take a knee – I totally get it. But if I were on that sideline and I was Buffalo's coach and I was trying to get to 6-6 six and six to get to bowl eligibility and I know that the line opened at 17.5 and, and closed at 19, I definitely score a touchdown there to cover because I know that the people who were probably betting on this game were not Clay Travis sitting in Nashville watching Maction on whatever CBS Sports Network, which you don't even know where it's... I didn't even know what CBS Sports Network. can't even find it on my phone. I mean, there might have been 50 people watching this game on television too. And every single person watching it on television who was not a parent of one of the players was gambling on it. And to me, you have an obligation to, to score there. Absolute obligation. And you should have to answer questions if you don't. Like, And by the way, how about the Ball State coach not using his timeouts? It's like he's trying to hopefully cover two. It's like he's like, well, we're two and nine, but at least the guys who bet on Ball State are going to be happy. And by the way, did anybody beat on bet on Ball State in the country? How would you have? Oh, anyway, just devastating. But yeah, I think you know I'm going to go up to 
Washington, D.C. on December 3rd or 4th, whatever the Monday is right after the conference title games, they are having a Supreme Court argument over whether sports gambling should become legal. And uh, New Jersey is challenging the law right now that doesn't allow any state other than New- than Nevada to allow gambling within its borders. And I think it's going to pass. Uh, I think the Supreme Court is going to rule that every individual state, just like with the lottery, and I've been on this for a long time. You can criticize a lot of my opinions, but I think if you pay attention to me over time, what you'll notice that I go after the most is hypocrisy because it really bothers me when people treat similar situations differently. I can't conceptualize how we can allow people to go buy scratch-off lottery tickets, and I believe it's 44 states in this country, and those same states won't allow you to bet on whether a team is going to win a football game. I just I, the, the hypocrisy there, and in lots of those states, the individual NFL teams will sell their logos to scratch off lottery tickets. So, for instance, here in Tennessee, where I live, you can buy lottery tickets, and the cheapest and dumbest lottery tickets you can buy, like there's no intelligence involved in gambling on lottery tickets at all, are scratch off lottery tickets. And the Tennessee Titans will sell their logo to scratch off lottery tickets. So there are people out there who are like, oh, hey, I'm a fan of the NFL. Which scratch off lottery ticket should I buy? Oh, I'm going to buy the one with the NFL logo on it. So the NFL has no problem making money off of scratch off lottery tickets, but they won't allow you to legally gamble on which team you think is going to win. Now, the technology is so far ahead now that your average guy out there who's listening to me right now is like, screw it. I'm just going to pull out my phone and I'm going to bet on an offshore account, and I don't care that technically I'm not supposed to be able to do this because I think if you're 40 or under, you just think it's absurd that the government doesn't allow you to legally gamble on sports. And to his credit, Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NFL, has talked about sitting at NBA games and looking around and noticing how many young guys are literally gambling on their phones while they're sitting courtside at an NBA game. I mean, this is commonplace. And so to me, I'm a big believer in legalize it and tax it. I would legalize and tax weed everywhere. I would legalize and tax prostitution everywhere. I would legalize and tax gambling everywhere. I just think it's crazy that we use our tax dollars to try to capture people who are just making decisions to gamble on sports or who are making decisions to smoke weed. You know, That's my personal belief. Some of you out there can have a different opinion. You can be wrong. Like I said, you don't have to agree with me. You can be wrong, but anyway, Maction screwed me last night, and screwed me is not the word that I want to use. Uh, let's bring in Eddie Garcia. Eddie, were you watching last night? I noticed that your update on the big sporting events of the night did not include Buffalo at Ball State. Probably need to get on that game because Maction was rolling last night. Yeah, let me uh, let me update that. Update yes, the I'm roster. Update my update here. In just your a update can just yeah. be a Clay Travis got effed. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the the coach decided to take a knee at the two even though he could have very easily scored a touchdown, and there was two minutes left when he started taking his knee, and Ball State decided not to take timeouts because they are Pussy Willow program. I, I understand. I understand. Also last night, in addition to Ball State, uh, we had the Steelers taking on the Titans. Kind of a big game. You think football. more people were watching that one? Maybe a few more, yeah. Uh, the Steelers get the 40-17 to victory behind four touchdown passes from Ben Roethlisberger. Three of them went to Antonio Brown. Pittsburgh's 8-2 for the first team in the AFC to hit the eight-win mark this year. 
Meanwhile, Tennessee drops to 6-4 and four with a loss. Their quarterback, Marcus Mariota, had a tough day with four interceptions. And the Titans right now are a half game back of the Jaguars for the AFC South lead. In the NBA, we had two games. The Celtics won their 14th in a row, beating the Warriors 92-81. Boston's a league-best 14-2 on the season, while Golden State, the defending NBA champs, dropped to 11-4. Rockets scored 90 points in the first half and route to a 142-116 win over the Suns. James Harden had 48 points, and Houston now has the top record in the Western Conference after that Golden State loss. The Rockets are 12-4. In baseball, Jose Altuve of the Astros is your American League Most Valuable Player. Giancarlo Stanton of the Marlins wins the NL MVP award. And Clay, with momentum gathering to reshape the one-and-done draft entry rule, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver and Players Association Executive Director Michelle Roberts met with the new Commission on College Basketball in Washington on Thursday. The commission was formed in the wake of the FBI investigation into college basketball and is chaired by your girl, Condoleezza Rice. There you go. Should be the commissioner of the NFL. By the way, anybody out there pay attention to whether I did the ads or not coming in this segment? I got so rattled by everything surrounding this Buffalo game. And by the way, I got to give you guys credit. Why do I love the people who listen to OutKick? There are so many people pouring into my mentions right now who are also watching that Buffalo Ball State game and just an abject terror over the decision of the coach not to go in and score from the two-yard line with two minutes left. Uh, One of the guys says at Ball State last night doing the pregame show, uh, so we've got uh, – oh, this is actually great. One of the guys who is the uh, the Ball State uh, radio network texted me, 22,000 capacity at Ball State last night doing the pregame show. I counted less than 100 people in the stands. I mean, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not kidding about this. Like, literally, like, there were more people I, – I could have gotten more people to come to a sports bar last night and just watch this game with me than were actually at the game itself. I mean, I was cold outside. I don't blame them. But uh, but that makes it even more indefensible. But the number of people who are reacting to this game, I, I'm telling you, the only people watching were gamblers. And so the decision at the end was just inexplicable. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. Guess who's back? It's time. A.K.A. Mr. Make It Rain on them. For Clay Travis to make us rich. I'm rich. Including the legendary, famous, well-known talk of the town, most celebrated. I'd buy that for a dollar. Blood. Bank. Guaranteed. All right. These picks are up on OutKick.com. Immediately after I give them out, a bunch of you are going to come on Twitter and say, hey, can you tweet these picks out? They're on OutKick.com. They are up there. Go to OutKick.com and you can find them if you don't get your pen. Oklahoma, they're going to blow out Kansas. It's going to be a bloodbath. Mississippi State, they're going to blow out Arkansas. Another bloodbath. UAB, I wouldn't favor Florida by double digits over air right now. I wouldn't be surprised if UAB goes on the road at Gainesville and beats the Gators. FIU at FAU. This is a confusing initial game. I'm on FAU. That's the team that Lane Kiffin, a.k.a. Joey Saltwater, is coaching. They are on a roll, and they are going to win big here. Now, a couple of other games. Kentucky at Georgia. I love the over here. I think Georgia is going to score 45 or more on Kentucky. I think Kentucky will score 14. The over-under on this game, surprisingly, only 50.5. How about LSU at Tennessee? No one at Tennessee can stop this LSU run game. They're going to score a lot of points, LSU is. Tennessee scores a little. I like the over in this one. Syracuse at Louisville. It's an over kind of weekend. Have you seen what the Syracuse defense has been doing? 
They gave up over 60 to Wake Forest last weekend. Lamar Jackson's going to run wild on the Cuse, but the Cuse are also going to put up 28. I'm telling you the over of 73 is going to make the play there. Memphis going up against Chad Morris. It's Mike Norvell against Chad Morris, two guys who may have new jobs next year. Memphis is going to cover this game, going to win by two touchdowns or more. And here is my first ever legendary, unbelievable, bet the kids college fund game, Mizzou is going to blow out Vanderbilt and the over is going to hit. Mizzou is going to hang 50 on Vandy. Vandy has given up 34 or more in every SEC game. Drew Locke is on fire. Mizzou by 20-plus. The line right now, 7.5 or 8. And the over, 66 or 67. Get rich kids. That's 10 winners that will help make up for the Buffalo coach turning into a pussy willow and deciding not to score at the end of that game. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... (laughs) Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.